And in Luke 5, 12 to 13, we read, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Staying seated, let's sing together. So the reading continues now in Luke chapter 5 with the story of the man healed of leprosy. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. We'll now come to our next reading. It's from Luke 5, 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, 
sinners to repentance. As Luke tells the story of three men who met Jesus, we ourselves, in reading the story, encounter Jesus. Jesus is the one who touches the untouchable, who forgives the unforgivable. He welcomes the unacceptable. In each case, he crosses boundaries to reach and heal these men on different levels. Take the leper, first of all. We don't know whether the man was suffering from the disease we now know as leprosy or whether doctors today would have come to a different diagnosis. But whatever it was he had, it was some kind of skin condition that would have been sufficiently disfiguring to make him a social outcast. The kind of person people would go out of their way to avoid meeting or to look at. And lepers were required to keep away from other people, to cover their faces, to announce their presence by calling out that they were unclean. And this man, we're told, was covered with the disease. Whatever it was he was suffering from, it affected the whole of his body. We don't know how he met Jesus, whether he was seeking Jesus out or whether it was a chance encounter, but you get a sense of the man's desperation through the way in which he falls with his face to the ground, begs Jesus to help him. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you want to, you can restore me. Here is a man who recognises that Jesus has the authority, the power to do anything. It is within Jesus' ability to heal him. The only question is, is whether Jesus would want to. Whether he'd bother to. Whether he'd prepare to do anything for a man who perceived himself as a nobody. A man whom other people had shunned and avoided ever since he contracted the disease. That little phrase... If you are willing, reveals the depths of the man's uncertainty, his sense of degradation and worthlessness. Why would anyone possibly want to do something for him? Why would anyone want to have anything to do with him? But he's desperate. He knows Jesus is his only chance. And Jesus not only says he's willing, he reaches out his hand and touches him. And it wouldn't have been a kind of fleeting touch as if he couldn't quite bear to do it. It would have been a touch of love and compassion and acceptance and understanding. The first human contact this man would have had in who knows how many months or years. And it was a touch that communicated not just healing and cleansing, but love, compassion and acceptance. And it's as if the touch of Jesus banishes the leprosy, because as soon as Jesus touches the man, the leprosy leaves him. One touch from Jesus and the skin condition which has kept him isolated from all human contact for so long is gone. And the man who is restored, not just physically, his own self-esteem is restored. The absence of disease means that he's socially acceptable, acceptable again. His life is transformed as he is healed 
at different levels and in different ways. And the situation of the second man, well, that's very different. The leper was a social outcast, but at least he could make his own way from A to B. This second man was utterly helpless when it came to getting around. He had to have people carrying him. But his salvation, quite literally, was that he had at least four good friends who were prepared to do that and who were determined to get him to meet Jesus and were prepared to let nothing stop in their way, even to the extent of demolishing someone else's roof to plonk their friend down on the floor in front of Jesus. And their behaviour is quite extraordinary. Why not simply wait outside until Jesus had finished teaching and then grab his attention? It wasn't as if any of them had a train to catch. And it's what any reasonable person would have done. He's got to come out sooner or later. He can't stay in there forever. Let's catch him as he comes out. But these four men were on a mission. Their first and only concern was to get their mate to Jesus and do it quickly. Nothing else mattered in the slightest. That's a measure of their commitment to their friend and also their belief that Jesus was the one who could make a difference. After all, you don't take the roof off someone else's house unless you mean business. And they were so convinced that Jesus was the only one who could make a difference that they were prepared to go to drastic lengths to get to him. So I wonder how they felt when having done all that, having ruined someone else's house and finally got their friend in front of Jesus to hear Jesus say to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven. My response would have been utter incredulity. What? Have you missed the point? Are you blind or something, Jesus? Can't you see what's wrong with him? He can't walk, for goodness sake. Whatever he's done is the least of his problems. And if that is how Jesus' friends, if that is how the man's friends felt about Jesus' words, the religious leaders who'd come to check out Jesus' credentials were scandalised for a different reason. What? Who does he think he is? No one can forgive sins but God. This man has no right to say anything such such outrageous. This is blasphemy. The problem was, I think, in their eyes, that the man had done nothing to express his repentance. If you repented, you could be forgiven. But what had he done? No one knew what sin he committed. No one could see that he'd repented. Had he been fit and strong, he might have been able to make his way up to the temple in Jerusalem to present a sin offering and receive forgiveness for whatever it was on his conscience. But given that he was paralysed and the temple was 80 miles away, that clearly wasn't an option. But it wasn't just that there was no indication of repentance. He hadn't confessed what he'd done, so there was no way of knowing what he'd done. And yet not knowing what he'd done not seeing any sign of repentance, Jesus had pronounced him forgiven. The principle that only God could forgive sins probably rested upon the the knowledge that only God knows the inner state of someone's heart. God knows what you've done. God knows whether the repentance is real or just superficial. If you repented, that was a sign of a humble and contrite heart. It was probably on that basis that John the Baptist baptised people for the forgiveness of sins. But here, here Jesus takes the initiative. He forgives this man for who knows what, without any sign of repentance. And as far as the religious leaders were concerned, he had no business of doing so. He'd crossed the line 
who'd done something only God had the power and authority to do. But interestingly, Jesus knows precisely what the Pharisees are whispering to each other about. Because actually, he did have the capacity to read men's hearts and minds. And so he decides to teach them a lesson. It's actually quite easy to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, because no one's any the wiser whether it's really happened or not. The sins are only really forgiven if the one pronouncing forgiveness is authorised to do so by God. But telling a paralysed man to get up and walk, well, that's a whole different category, isn't it? That really is a big deal, because you can tell in an instant whether anything's happened or not. So he says to the Pharisees, look, to show you that the forgiveness I offer really comes from God, I'm going to tell this man to get off his mat and walk. And when Jesus turned to the paralysed man and said that to him, that is precisely what the paralysed man did. He stood up, rolled up his mat, took it out the door, made his own way home. Imagine the sense of liberation and freedom that he must have felt. And no wonder everybody else was amazed. They had indeed seen incredible things that day. And here again, we see Jesus healing at different levels. The man's physical paralysis healed. Whatever it was in his past, on his conscience, forgiven. Was there some kind of psychosomatic link between the man's guilty conscience and his paralysis? We have no way of knowing. But what we do see here very clearly is that Jesus perceives that there is more to health than just physical well-being. Not just whether the man can walk or not. Actually, it's not, health isn't just physical. It's inside as well. It's the inner person who needs healing as much as the physical body. Your sins are forgiven, he says to him. And the third encounter? The third encounter is with the tax collector. And this time we know the man's name, Levi. And here there's no doubt that the initiative lies completely with Jesus. He sees Levi sitting at his toll booth, where he always would have overcharged people for bringing goods into town to trade. And he said to Levi, come and follow me. And Levi just got up, left everything, and followed him. And leaving everything presumably meant leaving all the money he'd collected as well, which must have been great for the first person to realise that Levi hadn't just popped to the loo, he'd gone for good. And the money was there for the taking. But he also seems to have left it without any regrets. He's so delighted to be one of Jesus' followers that he throws a massive party. He invites all his friends, who are actually quite an undesirable lot, because they were all like Levi. They're all swindlers, bullies, cheats, people kind of who were unpopular, people who were feared and despised, people who ripped everyone off who was trying to make an honest living. And Jesus goes to the party, rubs shoulders with them, sits down, eats, drinks with them, shares the fellowship of the kingdom with them. 
and they were not good company for a prophet like Jesus to be keeping. So the religious leaders again intervened and asked Jesus' disciples, what's going on? How come your master has thrown his lot in with these people? Tax collectors, sinners, people beyond the pale. You should have nothing whatsoever to do with them. But Jesus says, look, it's the job of a doctor to heal sick people. Doctor doesn't spend his time with people who are perfectly well. He goes to those who are sick and heals them. I've come, the Son of Man has come, he says, to call immoral people, turn their lives around. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Three men, each of them very different. And to each one, Jesus communicates a different level of healing. The leper, cleansing. Acceptance. Restoration. The ability to to walk down the street without being an outcast. Without people turning their faces away and shunning him in fear. Paralyzed man, forgiveness for who knows what, how far back your sins are forgiven. And then the freedom of movement that so many of us just take for granted, the capacity for the first time in who knows long to be able to to stand up, pick up on the mat on which he had been carried and carry it home himself. A life transformed. Levi, taken out of a job which was corrupting him, that was exploiting others, a man who was feared and hated and despised and suddenly accepted, something to celebrate, finds himself part of Jesus' team, trained and equipped to rescue people from evil powers, to heal them from physical diseases and bring God's kingdom into their disordered lives. Suddenly, here is a man who's doing something worthwhile with his life, bringing wholeness to other people rather than just ripping them off. And healing operates at so many different levels, physical healing of the body, cleansing, Emotional healing, forgiveness for the troubled conscience, social acceptance, vocation, independence. You want to know how God's kingdom impacts on people's lives. It does so in all those different ways. You see the evidence in which these three men had their lives utterly changed for the better through their encounter with Jesus, who is concerned for every level of who we are, every aspect of our lives. And if we look at their profiles, was there some kind of link between them? Was there some kind of common factor? Anything to indicate that Jesus just just came for that kind of person? No, they were just random people. 
the leper. The leper might have sought out Jesus. It might have been a, a chance encounter. We don't know. It doesn't look as if Jesus sought Levi out. It appears just as if he happened to be passing his toll booth and, and turned to him and called him. The meeting which was specifically arranged was the four men moving heaven and earth to get their friend to Jesus. So you have a leper, a paralysed man, Levi the toll collector, three very different men with very different needs who all found their lives turned upside down by meeting Jesus. There's not really any common factor. And the point is that if Jesus can do it for three such very different men. He can do it for anybody. He can do it for you. What links these three episodes together is not the kind of person whose life was changed by Jesus. The common thread between these three episodes is Jesus' authority. The authority to heal. The authority to forgive the authority to call. It's the power of the kingdom that impacts on these people's lives and makes all the difference in the world. And what does Jesus say to each of them? What's his word of authority? To the leper, he says, be clean. To the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. To Levi, he says, follow me. And that is where the leper is cleansed. The paralyzed man, forgiven and healed. Levi is called. And Jesus, Jesus is here with us tonight by his spirit. And he knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly what you need. Cleansing, forgiveness, restoration, calling, sense of identity, acceptance, a new start, hope. He knew what each of those men needed and addressed them in accordance with their need to the leper be clean. To the paralysed man, unexpectedly, your sins are forgiven. To Levi, follow me. What does Jesus want to say to you tonight? What do you need to hear him saying to you tonight? Let's spend a few moments in quiet. Just still your hearts and whatever is in your heart, bring it to Jesus. Lay it before him and wait.
două 